is it's okay to mess up. You're gonna mess up, but you can always ask your kids to forgive you. You know, it's it's a great teachable moment. When you do make a mistake, you, you accidentally say a bad word because you hit your feet. I hope you enjoyed that snippet of the Untitled Parenting Podcast. My name is Seth. I am the Kids Director at Freedom Church, and this week I had the pleasure of sitting down with my own parents, Doug and Heather Evans. We talked on the first two actions from a book called Intentional Parenting by Doug and Kathy Fields, those actions being strong beliefs and 24-7 role models, focusing in on three aspects that my parents found valuable and affirming in my siblings and I, legacy, character, and identity. A quick backstory on my parents. They've been married for nearly 30 years, they have three children, the oldest being Zach, the middle me, Seth, and the youngest, Abigail. They have one grandchild. In those 30 years, they have parented a child with a learning disability, a now-recovered drug addict, and had to deal with a cancer diagnosis in my father, and have kept their faith and belief in God through all of that. I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, first of all, I want to thank Seth for asking us to do this. Um, that's kind of a uh, makes us feel good that he's comfortable about with us speaking about our experiences. So anything we can do to help out, parenting is a daunting task. Sometimes we enter into um, not feeling like we're prepared and really know what we're doing. They joke about when you come home from the hospital that they don't give you an owner's manual for your child and just complete fear of what you've taken on when you go down the road. But you know, the Bible says that uh, children are a blessing and you know, they are. And it's uh it's an amazing experience. It's challenging, rewarding. And Heather and I have been married for coming up on 30 years and have three children. Um, Seth is our middle child. And we've made mistakes and we've done things, some things well. And um, anything we could do to pass along, we'd be, we'd be happy to do so. Yeah, just echoing some of the things that Doug has said. We're always, it's always a, a really neat thing to be asked to participate in things like this. And so, of course, you know, we've reflected a lot and had some conversations about just being parents and what that means. And um, again, some of the things we did really well and some of the things we wish we could do better. And so I think for us, the real benefit is why not pass on some of the learnings from some of the things that we wish we would have done a little bit better if we had a second shot. So always good to look back on this and reflect and offer any lessons learned that we have to, to help parents that are, you know, in the middle of raising children. One of the things I wanted you guys to kind of talk about a little bit, just the diversity that you guys have gone through as parents with all three kids and what it was like. So if you could kind of talk a little bit about parenting Zach, me, and Abby and kind of the differences in that and kind of the lessons learned uh, in that process. It'd be kind of interesting to hear. Contrary to uh, popular belief, all of your children are not identical, which is kind of a perplexing and amazing at the same time. Um, and what what motivated or encouraged or discouraged bad behavior in how one child did not work potentially at all for another child. And so I think um, as you go through the parenting, it's a constant um, learning process, and just it's 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 hard to explain. But you have different personalities. God just created each one of our children uniquely with a unique purpose, and and they need to be um, nurtured and raised and encouraged in different ways. And yeah, it's just uh, 
there's not like a formula that works. So kind of what was unique about our family is um, both Doug and I had previously been married before. Doug didn't bring any children into the marriage, but I did. I had a two-year-old son, Zach. So we had a, a blended family. So Doug and I got married. Doug took responsibility and adopted Zachary. Not too long after that, a couple of years, we got pregnant and had Seth. And then four years later, we had Abigail. We had that, also that complexity of a blended family, you know, where you're bringing together a child from a previous relationship and some of the stress that comes with that. Uh, Doug was Zach's pretty much a primary uh, father um, from age two on, but there's a lot of nuances that go along with that, you know, as you're hitting milestones in life with that child, because uh, whether active in the life or not, that biological father, that absence has a waiting on the way that kid feels loved and developed. And, and then another really big part of our mechanism of being parents was the extended families. That can bring with it in itself a lot of stress. Sometimes you bring forth really positive, healthy, you know, relationships from the way you were raised. And sometimes there's some baggage there. And with that comes also some, some difficulty. So we had some really significant challenges to navigate, just getting out of the gate. Really, the strong biblical foundation that we ended up with was mostly out of necessity. We actually picked the church that we ended up being the most involved with for the past 20 years, we selected that church because of the children's program. I think we recognized early in our marriage that not only was God going to be really pivotal to our relationship, but we knew it was going to be really critical for our children. And so that's really what drove a lot of our early decisions regarding picking a church. And that was, it was really important. Uh, just to add a little bit of context, I don't know if you guys said this, but um, how long have you guys been married and how long have you guys had kids for? So We've been that... married for thir 30 years this July 16th. And like I said, we I brought a child into the marriage. So that's another thing. You know, we didn't have any of those alone years, you know, in our marriage. Like a lot of couples have time to get married, you know, and wait a couple of years before they have a child. And you know, Doug had to come right into that pressure and stress of, of being a dad automatically, you know, from the beginning. We were in our mid-20s when uh, we got married, so um, a little older. And um, Zach was born in 1990. Seth, me, I was born in 94, and Abby was born in 1988, to give some more context to everybody. So, 98. 98, 98. yeah. Uh, so we all grew up. In the 90s, kind of getting a little bit more into the meat of kind of action one and action two and kind of giving some context is Doug Fields starts off by talking about good behavior starts with you and explains that as a parent, it's important to own it. He says, when you blow it, own it. Integrity is something we want our kids to steal. How is that something that you guys have uh, kind of seen or maybe echoed in your own um, parenting journey? Well, I uh, I served 20 years as a reservist in, in the military as an officer, and I always wanted to do the right thing, wanted to uh, lead by example. 
And in doing so, you know, I wanted to raise my children in a family that we modeled and mentored doing the right thing, not just said the words, but we wanted to, um, you know, if we wanted them to learn how to do a good job and work hard, we would work beside them uh, doing tasks and chores and help encourage and show them how to do. If we went out to mow a yard for somebody, that I went along and helped them do that chore, mentored them in how to do it well. Just trying to be there for them with those opportunities to lead them by example. Yeah, and I think that for me, it was character is really kind of who you are when nobody's watching. You know, like I remember little things like I was watching a Joyce Meyer podcast or something, and she was talking about like the person that takes their, you know, like their shopping cart back and puts it back up properly and picking up trash and being a good citizen, being a good human, keeping your word. You know, it's really hard when you're a parent because you're you're always kind of center stage. You think they're not listening to you. You know, they're watching you. One of the places where I think this is really important is, you know, they're watching how the mom and dad are relating with one another. They're watching the even the nonverbal things that go on. And so we wanted our kids to see us, to catch us being uh, living with high integrity in the way that we paid our bills, in the way that we kept our word. Uh, when we said we would do something, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. In the way that we treated each other in our marriage, you know, so both inwardly focused and outwardly focused. You know, we didn't always hit the mark. You know, sometimes we, we weren't successful. Uh, but I think the other Im important thing, too, and I wish I would have known this even more when I was in the middle of it, is it's okay to mess up. You're going to mess up, but you can always ask your kids to forgive you. You know, it's it's a great teachable moment when you do make a mistake, you, you accidentally say a bad word because you hit your finger or make an offhanded comment under your breath because you're you're just not thinking correctly. You can actually stop yourself in that moment and say, wow, I should not have said that or I should not have done that. That was not the best behavior. You know, will you forgive me for that? I think if we can show our kids that, it's okay to just be human and have mistakes. It isn't about the mistake, really. Often, it's about what you do after the mistake. And I think those are good lessons. Yeah. I was just curious if we could kind of get your guys' take on on really those big three of, of what is legacy, what does it mean to you guys, and then from there we're going to character, and then we'll finish off with identity. Well, the first thing that comes to mind with, with legacy, and maybe it's a kind of a silly example, but I like to take things that meant a lot to me from my family and um, when I was growing up as a child, and I wanted to incorporate those into uh, raising our, our own children with Heather and I. And um, family traditions, I think, give um, a child a sense of belonging and being a part of the family as far as, you know, uh, coloring Easter eggs or roasting um, content seeds, or, you know, we can list some of those things, but traditions that we made sure that we took part in with the kids. And then um, not only just living those, but capturing those on um, back then, the, the old video cameras, and then rewatching those memories, I think a, has great value. Rehashing the memories or you're spending time remembering what, um, when you get together and your, your kids are older in their 20s and you're thinking about their childhood, I think that there's a good 
kind of revisiting of the foundation and, and reestablishing because they're seeing these memories that you took 20 years ago. Now they're seeing them as a, as young adults. And I think it adds context to their life and it kind of helps reinforce the generational things that were done well. I think there's a lot of value in that is being purposeful to capture those times when you're actually doing those family traditions and then not only just doing them, but recording them and so that you can relive them and re-enjoy them in the future. And um, I think an important thing to add really quickly here is you guys have an interesting perspective on legacy because because you're not just parents, but you're also grandparents. There is a little bit more context there because you're seeing this being echoed in your, our my older brother, Zach, his, his daughter, Savannah's life. You know, one of the most heartwarming things, and I want to make a comment, there was a lot of times when dad and I were in the throes of you know, really trying to be the best parents we could be. One of us would get really frustrated. You know, sometimes it was me, sometimes it was dad. And what I think is so neat about the way that God constructed marriage is pretty much you could bet that if one of us was about to lose it, you know, the other one (laughs) felt like they needed to stay in control and could talk the other one off the ledge. But there were many times when I was really frustrated with you guys, frustrated with myself, and dad would say, we're not done yet. There's a lot of things that we are working hard on to role model and to to put into these kids that we may not see the fruit of this for years. And especially with with you know one of our oldest our oldest son, we had some real challenges. But Doug kept saying to me, when he's 25, you know, we'll check in again. And and so you know, echoing the legacy thing. One of the most heartwarming things is to get a video or pictures of our granddaughter, Savannah, you know, coloring Easter eggs or to get a message from Zach that says, you know, how hot do I have to have to have the oven to roast pumpkin seeds? And so that is a really rewarding way to see that had merit. It resonated with that kid and and they know that that's a worthwhile thing to, to implement into their life with their child. And a lot of that's because it's important. One of the most important things is maintaining a relationship with your children. That's what we want to do. It, it sounds like an easy, simple thing, but, you know, I read so many times that people are estranged from their parents or their children because um, relational issues, complex world we live in, things happen, people do things, and there's unforgiveness, and it's complicated. But maintaining a relationship is, is so important. So these memories, this, this family foundation, these legacy things that we do help with that build up and, and foster that relationships. It's touchstones that we can go back to. And it's something we cannot relate to as when we were a family that we still are a family, even though sometimes we go through challenges um, with what life throws at us. Yeah. And to speak to that from the kid's perspective, all of this legacy is in the hopes of that happening, but we have no control. Parents have no control on what your kid picks up and what they let go. And so like a good example is like, I don't even know, dad, you meant for it to be this big of a significant thing for me. But like, I remember, and I have it dated 2004, you wrote a letter to camp and I still have that letter. I, it's just one of those things that like I kept and I don't know why I kept that, but I still got it. You know, and it reminds me of who you are. It, it is another, it is an echo chamber of your, of your love, 
of who you were at that time in my life. As a child, I didn't know why I picked that up, but I did. Creating opportunities like that is an important thing as a, as a parent because you can't decide on which baseball practice they remember you by. And so sometimes it's the baseball practice where you're a great parent and you're super patient. And unfortunately, sometimes it's the baseball practice when uh, you crack them in the eye with the ball. But that's fine because, yeah. Just to add a little more depth to that particular writing letters at camp, we knew that would be an important thing for you to encourage you at that point. And it was kind of interesting because I remember, right, we had to write the letters before you left. So for the, in order for the letter to arrive with you, it, it's almost like we had to pre-write the letters and then they were, they were almost, um, I don't know if they went through the mail or if actually the youth pastor carried it with them. But yeah, it was important for you to feel loved and missed. and, and, and we, But we had to visualize and, and envision that experience to make that happen for you. Um, but that's that's part of being a parent and trying to give your kids the best experience. Sometimes you have to purpose to do those things. It meant a lot to me because I had spent time at military camps and when I was in college and going through ROTC and things. And I knew what it was like to get a letter. Back then, you know, cell phones were just kind of coming out. A lot of times, you know, if you wanted to talk to family members or hear from them, you had to run down to this random phone and put quarters in it and then call somebody. There wasn't the connectivity we have today, but I remember how important letters meant to me. And so when we wrote those letters to camp, we just, we wrote them really just for that moment in time. But it's interesting that it's held significance for you for so long. That's, that's like a double whammy there. Pretty cool. Um, One of the things that I keep thinking about is how legacy is so important, but the character of, and maybe not character, the personality of your child means that they're going to pick up on it differently, right? And uh, I'm going to do a horrible like evaluation of me, my sister, and my brother real quick, and then you guys can critique it, and Zach and Abby can be a call and, and roast me if I, if I do this poorly, but I would say uh, Zach has always been the most athletic out of all of us. He really enjoys the win. He enjoys fighting for the win. And for him, competition was kind of the thing. Being popular, being in was something that I always noticed with him. Uh, for me, I was a ADHD wild child that never stopped talking from the ages of two to now. <laughs> and then Abby kind of following up and being the girl that she was was always kind of the most impressive out of all of us because you could just kind of do anything would pick something and be like i'm going to do vet stuff and then just start doing vet things right being like that's what i want to do with my life uh, but always a very compassionate individual probably the most compassionate and not just because she was the girl just because that's who she was very compassionate very very others focused very animal focused care has always been something that she focused on and so three completely different kids and so i will focus on my experience on how legacy gets passed down because for you know dad i talked about the letter but for mom it was like me growing up with adhd and dyslexia and not really knowing how to cope with school and school always being such a challenge like um writing if no if you guys if you've seen my handwriting you know that i probably shouldn't be writing things <laughs> a funny story about that real quick is like a lot of times people will do like birthday cards or congratulation cards. And I kept getting those things at one of my first jobs. And they'd be like, can you, can you put something on it? And I'm like, I'll write my name because I know if I put any more, you will be mad at me for writing more. So 
I just don't write. And so like one of the deals I had with my mom was because spelling, I don't know if they even still do that, but like it was really important whenever I was in school that they would have us write out the word and write out the definition and do all this stuff. And that was just hours of work for me because my teachers wouldn't accept it if it wasn't legible. So the deal was mom would do the writing if I just kind of scratched her back while she did it. And it it was very meaningful to me because it was a good deal. I was like, I'll do this all day long. It's way better than me having to sit in the room over here by myself and write these words out because it's going to take forever. There's there's some context for me uh, for, for how legacy was passed on differently. Um, yeah, and on, on character, I mean, some of the the larger things that we've been looking at with character is, you know, character development. And, you know, one of the things I kind of wanted to talk about here was kind of appreciating who your child is. You know, we've talked about how all three of you were so different, but yet all three of you were very sensitive and very compassionate and very loving. And so there were some really good things that we developed. And one of the things that I thought was really important that I wish I would have known more about this at the time is the love languages. Like what makes your kid tick? How do they feel loved? How how does that work for them in their world? And and some of the walking that out for me would have been like, how how do you experience feeling love, Seth? Do you feel love when I'm helping you with your homework? Uh, do you feel love when I make sure your laundry's clean? Gifts, um, you know, just I think also too, like getting the child to verbalize, helping them explore. You know, we've done this a lot with our granddaughter because now we know more about this in particular. We can already see, um, you know, she's going to be competitive. She's going to be super athletic. But what about those softer skills in her? And, you know, how does she feel like she's getting love from us, right? It can't be just getting gifts, but you know, talking with your child at whatever age they're at, sitting down and and just talking about love, giving and receiving love and how that feels for them and just being more vocal about it is something I think that I really wish I would have done more of. And and I think maybe that would have helped at a, at a younger age have you guys be maybe more in touch with that for when we did hit some hard challenges in later years. I think the context that needs to be said is the way that you feel affirmed as a parent isn't necessarily the way that your child feels affirmed. So if you keep going back through that cycle of, I feel affirmed this way, thinking that your child will feel affirmed that way, it might not be working because they're a completely different little person. And your job as a parent is to learn that person. There's English, right? There's the English language. You all speak that, but, but your kid is their own little universe and learning how to you know, for, for me, I like people feeling like they've done something that matters, right? So for me, like one of the things that's awesome is like getting mom to cook food for me because I like eating food. It's delicious. But part of eating it is knowing that I'm in a weird way letting her know that she's done something great. I, it, it's, it's a weird circle thing because it's I get to eat food too. But also it's like I'm not eating it because it's good. I'm eating it because it's my mom's food, right? And I know that she made it for me. And if I can enjoy eating it in front of her, I'm going to make her day. And I think, too, we used to talk with you guys a little bit about filling your love cup. Do you remember that? And we, you know, we talk about that in ministry, too. Like if if your vessel is not full and you're you're empty, you're half full, 
it's hard to give out of your own life from a place of being half full. And for me, the love languages, I know like with your dad, you know, we're like in a symphony now with that. We got it down. You have the ability when you utilize understanding someone's love language to make sure their love cup is full. And the reason that's so important with your children and, and people begin to see this as your children start aging and there's all of these influences, you know, from the world and kids at school and the more loved and the more full we can keep that cup that sits within that child, I feel like there's a better opportunity for them to be more secure and grounded within themselves. You know, I always feel really bad for the kids that struggle with that, you know, that their parents aren't connecting with them on that sort of emotional level. And I think what makes the love languages so good is it really articulates good ways that you can look at some definitions of what that's like. The, the key for me or the hook for parents, I think, is that we're looking for tangible ways to keep their love cups full, right? So that they can feel more secure. Yeah. Let's go ahead and wrap things up and kind of talk about what I kind of think is arguably the biggest thing that parents kind of contribute to their child's life. And that is identity. For me, it's about who do I belong to? It's a really huge thing for me in particular. I'll let Doug explain it from his context too. There's gonna, there could be a time when your child gets lost, they struggle, or they forget who they are. I think it's really, really important that in those times there's a way somehow to remind them who they belong to, and that's that's God, that's Jesus, that's foundational, that's the true north. And sometimes that's all you got and a lot of hope and a lot of prayer. Yeah, sometimes, you know, I feel like as a parent, you have to hold that vision of who you know they are. And um, even when they don't see it for themselves, you have to see it for them and remind them of who they are. It's, it's a challenging thing because as, as a child starts out and grows through life, it's as Basically, um, it comes down to you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know. A child only knows their environment. They don't know somebody else's environment. As you watch your children grow into young adults, they become to make friends with other peers and they hear stories and they learn about other people's experiences and they begin to really have a better, truer picture of the environment that they were really raised in because from their eyes, they may see it a lot more different. Um, I just think it's important to have that vision for your for your children and to hold true to it and to keep reinforcing, um, you know, that they they are stronger than they think they are, that they can do more than they think they can, that, that they're loved, um, that their love is not based on performance. Um, we may not like the way they are acting right now, but we still love them. We may not understand the decisions that they're making, but we still love them. Having that relationship with them is important to us to be in that place where we can help influence them in a positive way, um, where we can stay engaged and vital to them as they continue to develop beyond 18 and when they're out on their own. Because, you know, raising a child is a lifelong commitment. Yeah. And, um, well, I'm going to say something that I think it actually covers legacy, character, and identity, but I want to speak to it particularly about identity. And that's the behind the scenes with identity because parents who are concerned about identity are parents that are playing for keeps. Uh, they're parents that are being intentional. And I think that that's like 
a theme through all three of these is parenting should be intentional. You should be really concerned about who your kids are hanging out with. You should be really concerned with how much time they spend on their tablet. You should be really concerned about where your kids want to be when they're not around you. Sometimes your silence speaks volumes. You can't pick your child's future, but as a parent, every single day, there are options in front of you that might facilitate that better future.